Hey guys, it's Mac. Uh, just giving you a little heads up. We had three people on the podcast today, and the audios are all a little bit different sounding. Um, my audio is probably a bit quiet. Beck's audio is probably a bit loud, and Tim's probably got the Goldilocks just right. So just a heads up. It might be a little bit uh, annoying, but that's the way it was. I uh, hope you enjoyed the pod. Is this Survivor? What? Bro, are you listening to Survivor? Guys, I think this is Survivor. Dude, you must really like Survivor. Hello, everybody. This is Survivor Buffs, Blindsides and Banter. This is the podcast made by superfans, with superfans, for superfans. I am Buckles, your host for today, and... With me, I have my mate, Mac. How you doing, Mac? Buckles, I'm going really well. Uh, we had the viewing party in Sydney last night. Went off with a, a big bang. Um, I heard you had a pretty big night, all mate. The all the tequila. And the Patron, I heard. They ran out of Patron. Yeah, oh, I definitely gave it a good go. I saw. <laughs> got a bit messy. <laughs> oh, uh, that's what happens when you open a tap as soon as you get to a viewing party. <laughs> that's it. Anyway, and... Um, we also have here, I'm very, very proud to welcome Beck Wilson. She is an amazing girl. She's got her fingerprints in every little pie in the Survivor community. She's the admin of Australian Survivor Superfans Facebook page. And she organizes and helps host a lot of the parties up in Brizzy. How are you doing, Beck? Hello, boys. I am good. How are you? We are great. Well. We really it's so are. good to be we're here. Just, we're just excited to have a chick on so it's not just two 30-year-old tradies talking shit. <laughs> Love that. Look, I'm about to turn 30 next week. Not quite as tradie, but I reckon I'd give it a good crack if I absolutely had to. So I'm loving it. Thanks for letting me come on. Very jealous about your party last night in Sid Vegas. We had ours in well, – there was one unofficial one in Briz Vegas last week um, for F1. It wasn't as loose as tequila level, but it was pretty good. So. Is that the one that Simon hosted? <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, it was Simon himself that hosted this one. It, was, it wasn't even an event. It was like a private little thing that I went along. A bunch of other people went along. There are about 10 players, including three from this season and then a fuck bunch of others. But um, am I allowed to swear? I just did. Oops. Yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> okay. Get it let loose. This is about, okay. it's about the banter. It's about the banter. <laughs> good to know. Good to know. <laughs> okay. And Mac, can you tell us what happened in Survivor this week? Uh, so I've had some <laughs> feedback from the podcast, uh, Buckles, and people are saying that we jump around a little bit from episode to episode, in and out. So I was told perhaps it would be nice to get a recap of the week. So here is our new segment, Quick Recap with Mac. All right, here we go. <laughs> Uh, we start with episode one. George pitches his new movie idea. Dude, where's my hat? Rogue wants to build a shelter for firewood. Nobody agrees. Reward challenge time. The heroes win. Frozen pizza. Sam and David find the clue to the idol and share it with Sean. Haley discusses throwing the challenge. Off to the immunity challenge, Haley throws a challenge. Simon and Stevie have a kiss and a cuddle. The talk is vote Rogue, split on Jerry. Sean finds an idol. Rogue becomes a villain at Tribal and is sent home. Episode two. Geordie aligns with George. Ben makes a fake idol in front of everyone. The reward challenge. Heroes win bakery goods. Not much happens. Immunity challenge. Villains 
win, sending heroes to tribal. Fake plan is Jerry, real plan is Ben. David and Sam want Haley. Flick and Sean say it's too early to vote Haley. Twisted tribal. Uh, player will go to villains for two days. If they survive, they will come back to the heroes. Page volunteers. Jerry is voted out. Episode three. Jerry arrives at villains camp. George wants to spoon him. The old sea dog Jerry is welcomed with open arms. Reward challenge. Heroes win lasagna and photos from home. Immunity challenge. Ben and Page sign letters to get the win for the villains. Surprise, surprise. Simon is targeting George. George, Johnny and Liz decide on the person in the middle, Sarah. Somehow everyone gets in on it and Sarah goes home. And that is the quick recap with Mac. Mac, bloody hell, mate. At the end of episode three, the heroes won the challenge, not the villains. <laughs> oh, my bad. Sorry. I went a bit too fast, perhaps. A bit too, too much of a quick recap. Um, anyway, it was really nice to actually get some heroes content this week. It was nice to meet them all. And I guess we might as well talk about the elephant in the room. It was also not nice to meet all of them. <laughs> um, I think, um, what are our thoughts on Rogue, guys? Yeah, Rogue's a uh, very interesting person, and it seems like the whole community is talking about her. Um, I've actually gathered my thoughts, I've written them down, and prepared a little bit of a rant. Um, so I'm going to do, I'm going to do that now. I'm going to do that now. Let me, yeah, let, let, let me, let me go. Let me go. Let me off the leash. Read away. Like obviously, we don't like her. Here we go. On the face of things, Rogue seems like a great person based on the work she does. She says at Tribal that people would call her a hero for the conservation work she does, being an animal activist, taking down poachers by putting the planet first, etc., etc. And all those things are great, and I do commend her for that, but that's where being a hero stops for me. From start to finish, all we've seen is a bad person. From her conversation with Nina, claiming to be more African-American than her, that in itself is a whole other bag of worms, which we won't get into today. Uh, fighting with Johnny during the challenge, like I get it in elite sports and that sort of thing, but this is not the time for it. Forget about the game and social awareness, this was just being a bitch for the sake of it. The constant eye rolls at Tribal, this holier-than-thou attitude, you could really, t- you could tell she really looked down on everyone. She's a bully, that's how I saw it on TV. Paige was trying to put her point forward at Tribal Council and Rogue constantly interrupted her, as well as verbally attacked a person in Paige who she knew wouldn't be able to keep up in her argument. Paige is not as eloquent a speaker as her, with her words, and Rogue knew she didn't have the articulation skills to defend herself or make a convincing argument, which is a real bully move. Now, Rogue says everyone can have their own definition of what a hero is, and I can agree with that. She defines a hero by saving people's lives, which is totally fine. But to say she expected more people like Matt and Jerry is a bit ridiculous. Perhaps she was expecting Mother Teresa and Simpson and his donkey or something like that. (laughs) What she didn't realise is that Survivor is a TV show, and fundamentally, a game show. She obviously never studied it or even tried to be good at it. To not know who Haley is is really poor form from someone who's been gifted this opportunity that thousands would kill for. Now, I get the casting choice. If a person on screen can make you feel something, even if it's anger, casting have done well. She's controversial and divisive, and it's days later and we're still talking about it. So, job done. But this is not maths. We don't need artificial drama. I'm sure we would all rather see bad players who play the game poorly than an actual bad person. At the end of the day, she was here for publicity for her new documentary, and after what we saw, the publicity stunt has certainly backfired. Good on her for being a hero in real life, but perhaps it's not what you do that defines you, but it's who you are at the core of your being. And no, you did not blindside your tribe. You aren't that special. Rant over. <laughs> what were your feelings on that, Beck? Well done. Look, <laughs> oh, claps all round. Claps all round, mate. Um, look, 
I 100% agree with what you're saying. There is nothing there that I disagree with. She is a character, 100%. And sure, Survivor Casting has got to put some people in there that are bound to disagree. You could see that by them thinking, okay, let's put Rogue and Paige together. One's an animal activist, one's a hunter. Let's see, maybe those two won't get along. Surprise, surprise. But there is nothing that Rogue did during her, albeit short time in the show, that I don't think would would ever be deserving. Like surely they would have been able to see her, talk with her, get her views before she was casted, just to get a sense of who she is. I mean, probably and undoubtedly so, they found her as opposed to let it her audition. But either way, no, I just have no time. The the other thing that I kind of want to go into that I think it's not exactly Survivor itself. But it's the other thing that we all know about is the other, the baby elephant in the room. It's the little Instagram feud between Rogue and, um, and Paige. Now, for those of you who don't know, but I'm sure everyone listening would, um, when Rogue was eliminated that evening, she went on Insta and put up posts of Paige. This was around about the time the tribal council was going to air. She found all these photos of Paige doing her hunting work and posted it and been like, oh, you're disgusting. You think you're a hero. You kill animals, you piece of shit. Like that sort of vibe, quite a few of them. What then happened is that by the next day, Paige had, there were all these news articles going on about, oh, like clickbait bullshit from the Courier Mail or that's the Brizzy or I don't know, the news.com.au equivalent of wherever you are shitty headlines saying, oh, look at Paige, like this disgusting animal killer. And all these people were literally sending a death threats, literal death threats all through her Instagram because of what Rogue did. Not only was did she do what she had to do during the show, filmed however long ago, she had to go and do it after the show had filmed, after she had plenty of time to reflect on what she was, what she was seeing of herself on TV. She still wanted to go that extra little step. Now, I will say one thing on this little divide. I am a vegan. I'm an ethical vegan. And I know people listening are going to go, oh, no, where this is going, right? But no, no, just let, just hear me out. Just hear me out. Despite the fact that I would never, ever kill an animal and eat it, I just couldn't do it. Could not face it and eat something that I've killed. No, sorry, can't do it. But I kind of, I was someone that actually went through the post from Paige her response, some of the other commentary about it. And I can see that what she did, she talks about the fact that she kills animals because she's killing feral pigs. And it's for a reason because they're an invasive pest. And like she, she's not just doing it for fun. She's doing it for a reason. And now I can, even though it's probably not something that I would ever, ever do, I can understand it. And I think that's really important when it comes to these kinds of conversations is to understand the perspectives. I'm 100%, I guess, technically on Rogue's side ethically, but I can still 100% understand where Paige is coming from. And Paige is a good person. Rogue is a piece of shit. That's the difference. And the the only sort of, you know, uh, little side note to that is I suppose some of the posts where, you know, Paige is, I guess, posing with some of the dead animals, yeah, it's probably a little bit in poor taste. And I don't love seeing it, but there's a clear difference when it comes to who's the hero there's one who's a good person and not an arsehole, and there's one that's a clear arsehole going out of her way to hurt people and bully people, like Max said. So that's my little ranch. I hope that didn't go for too long, but there it is. Uh, <laughs> definitely not. Definitely not. It's great hearing both of your views. 
on it. It is, it's an absolute shit fight. It's a shit fight. The internet's gone berserk. It is just, it's just something I, I, I just don't have the words for it. Like, all I can just think is, I just want to call Rogue a bitch, pretty much. <laughs> um, I, Bully, I think you really summed that up really well, Mac. And Beck, it was great to hear your views, especially coming from someone that has as strong views on the world as you do and and how you can appreciate other people's views as well. It's really good. Uh, I guess now we should just move on and talk about some Survivor. Yeah, let's get into the banter, yeah. perhaps. Let's have a bit of fun. Yeah. That was really yeah. heated. I feel, I feel a bit worked up. Let's, let's, let's tone it back a little bit. <laughs> Mate, what happened with Simon and George with the hat? Like, George doesn't even care. It was such a big moment of last week, and everyone's been talking about it. Simon is a villain. He's really pushing this mould. And then George is like, oh, yeah, I don't really care about it. I'm not even worried. Do you think it's because he knows that Simon was the one that did it? I thought Simon laid it on a bit thick, and maybe George knew Simon burned his hat, so he's just pretending he doesn't care. See, it's funny, and I'm not sure whether I can say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I spoke to Simon. You know how I was saying earlier that I went to a little viewing party with Simon? He said to me, a little hashtag exclusive. What is this, so dramatic? But here we are. It's a little exclusive for the pod. He did say to me that it was completely, like, no one knew. Um, apparently, he just organized it with production, and not a single person knew what he was doing. For, like, fuck knows how. But for some reason, everyone had left. He's hung around, and he just... Somehow had the hat and burned it, and George genuinely had no idea until after it went to air. He was saying that to me on the on that little because um, it was in like the preview of F one, yeah, yeah. That's when we first saw it, and then we were all asking him about it, and been like, "Bro, like, how the fuck did you do that?" And he's all like, "Yeah, no, like, no one knows about it." And I said to him, "Has George messaged you since?" He's like, "No." Nah. Well, clearly because he didn't care, but it's interesting. Yeah, I think it, it was awkward as shit to watch. I was pissing myself laughing. Just the, the look on Simon's face, he just didn't have anywhere to go. He wanted that confessional. He wanted to be able to be like, oh, yeah, I got him, and it just didn't happen. It was just, oh, the pain. <laughs> the pain, the pain on his face. It was, a, it was a real shame because that could have been an absolutely huge moment. Like maybe we just wish that George cared about his hat more. Yeah, well, it's very, very um, reminiscent to, to um, was it Sandra and Russell in the final three of Heroes and Villains? She took his hat and burned it, and yeah, you know, they say it frazzled him at the final tribal. I don't think it changed the result, but yeah, it's um, he's definitely living up to the villain mantra. Yeah, big time. <laughs> and talking about the villain mantra, where did Sean come from? The loveliest <laughs> bloke on the planet, and he's he's playing like a villain. The largest bloke on the planet, too. The size of that man. My goodness. Sorry. I know that's not, that's a bit off but my goodness, he's huge. Watching him at any challenge, he is like three feet taller than anybody else. My God. I'm just, I'm in awe. I'm absolutely in awe. Yeah, he's, he's, <laughs> he's had a big week, Sean. He's really popped. Um, this, I mean, to be fair, the heroes didn't get much in week one, but this week was all about the heroes. And I mean, maybe that's why it was a bit of a slower week. But Sean was probably the one really moving and shaking, I think. He was, he was doing most of the stuff, or at least in the confessionals-wise. And um, he's had a good week, Sean. He might be getting a buff later on. Yeah, I might get a buff. I think, he, I think he, might getting, he might be getting more than one buff. Is that right? He's, um, he, was a, he was a pretty major in, a, in multiple episodes. So he's, um, he's, I definitely see him at least getting one. 
But uh, I just wanted to talk about Sean is after Haley in the first Rogue Tribal. And, like, Haley then throws this challenge, which we've all talked about, we all know as Survivor Super fans, throwing a challenge, you just don't do it. You don't do it, especially with Haley having Rogue there as the easy next boot. Did did we think that it had to be this soon? No, certainly not. Um, like you said, with a, with an easy boot like Rogue, you know that everyone hates her, right? So you can you literally just save that as long as you can, as close to tribe swap as you can. Like just try your hardest, and if you don't, as long as she's out before the swap, that's the only thing because she might be just be swayed to the villains otherwise. So. You, you sort of need to get her at the time, but I think it was a bit early, episode four. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it hasn't really spiralled out of control for him, but, I, yeah, you never know. Like, it just puts you one vote closer to going, really, if, if you get rid of that easy option. She has a theory. I always wonder whether people say that they're going to throw a challenge. Do they just say that in case they're shit? Is it an insurance policy in case they're shit at the, at the challenge? You just thought it was pretty tough. They were hanging off a log, for God's sake. Maybe Haley just got tired and wanted to fall and was like, well, I threw that. I mean, I've done that. I've done that in orgs. I've said I was going to throw it, but actually tried, ended up shit, and said it was because I threw it. Maybe that's what they're doing. <laughs> you just don't know. <laughs> you just don't know. Perfect. It's, just, it's literally, it's the fail-safe for being shit. <laughs> I love it personally. <laughs> not that, not that it's smart. It, it's 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 game killing. A hundred percent agree. But I'd I'd like to think that they just do it in case they're shit. Yeah, yeah. Players, please confirm. We saw it in um, Survivor Forty Three. Ryan, he lost a challenge. Yeah. Had, had no intention of like he never said it before. Like I'm going to throw the challenge. Then he lost it. He said, "Oh yeah, I threw that challenge to vote out Cassidy." And then hundred percent. It's because he was shit. <laughs> Um, I just wanted to keep going on Haley and uh, how, she, like, because she is a big target and we've got Rogue, everyone's aimed at Rogue, but she wants to introduce another target just in case there's um, an idle play. So she introduces the split of Jerry, which ends up being the result, which is quite... It's quite cool that she's doing that, even from... She's still in sort of a bottom position. She's not running things, and somehow she was able to manipulate it, like, to the point that she wasn't even the backup. What are what are our thoughts on Haley and how she's going sort of in that Heroes tribe? Look, she's going all right, but the bigger issue for me is that, like, she didn't have the numbers going into that tribe. She threw the... She allegedly threw the challenge, which we've talked about. But the issue for me with the Jerry vote is, for God's sake, Sam at that tribal announcing to the whole tribe after they'd fully discussed and Jerry was very aware that the votes were going on him, that was discussed. JLP had clearly coaxed it that way. Um, not saying that's a necessarily a bad thing. It's just the conversation was clearly there. Jerry knew that his, was on, his bum was on the line. And then Paige volunteers. And then Sam decides to interrupt and shouts out, Oh, nah, I reckon, nah, we got to um, vote someone that we don't want back. What an absolute death of a move strategically. You absolute idiot. Sorry, like, but that is a silly, silly, silly thing to say. Do you know, if you, you knew that he's coming back, you know that he's coming back. Don't say that. If he does come back, he's never going to work with you ever again. Ever. And going and making the tribe believe that, hey, none of us like you, 
then of course he's going to go and befriend the villains, which is exactly what he's gone and done. Like, and we don't know, like, to the extent the next step there'll be some sort of swap and whatever else. But what a silly thing to say at a tribal when you full well know that it's a boomerang, it's a boomerang twist. He's coming back. Say, oh, let's send someone that we don't want back. What an amazing way to make friends. Ah, I just, okay, I'm, I'm not going to go off, but I am going to say, like, so, like, Sam coming back from season one, mateship, mateship, mateship. I am so overhearing that word. We were all overhearing that word after season one. And he comes back. He's giving all the good shit and the rewards to his friends. He's, like, leaving the people on the bottom and giving them the bad shit. Stupid survivor move. Stupid strategic move. Has this guy watched the show since he left? The first thing I said when Sam started talking to Paige about, oh, we want you back. We would prefer to lose someone that we don't care about as much. The first, I sent a message out. Why the fuck did they bring Sam back? What a fucking idiot. You think it, you don't say it. It literally gives Ben or Jerry the excuse to flip. Jerry being this time. Jerry would have been loyal. Jerry was proud to be a hero. 100%. He He might have just turned Jerry villainous by saying that. And it was like, it was... It came right after such a, like, he said a really good line. He said something to the effect, like, when he responded to Paige, he said, the um, villains are smart. They're going to think, why the hell did we send you? Because you're such a charismatic player. You can see that they've, they've seen, like, they've seen challenges that Paige is part of the hero's team. So a red flag would go up. And he said something like that, which is good strategically, it's smart. It's him thinking about the game. And then he goes and just fucks it up. What the hell? Yes, Bloody, I'm over mateship. I'm over mateship. I'm over Sam. Get off my TV screen. I mean, I swear you said I'm not going to go off, but I guess that's you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. That's me saying it more. I thought Sam was having a good episode until that last bit of tribal. And, you know, I won't go any further. Mm. I feel like you, you articulated it well. But what do we think of the twist? What's the optimal move here? They should have just sent Paige. Like, she would have come back, legendary, exactly like they said, exactly the reasons that they said. I mean, I don't know. Why not just send someone that you know is going to come back, that's going to get information? Use that for your advantage. Like, I just don't get it. I yeah. think I think it sort of worked out for Haley and uh, Shani. Like, having Jerry go over, and now he's coming back, like, that just gives them so much ammunition at Tribe Swap. It was a bad move by the by the majority, who are supposedly against these people, even though they're heroes, no one's against anyone. But making Jerry expendable, letting the minority go over to the other tribe, is not the smartest move. I guess the only thing is, they were all sending... They were all sending someone over, pretty much thinking this guy's going home. This is heroes versus villains. They're going to take advantage of having one hero on their tribe, and they're just going to vote him straight out. And Jerry's gotten around that. It's going to come back to bite the majority in the arts. Can I, can but I just, also, like, oh, no, you go. <laughs> I'll throw out, I've had a think about it, and this is the optimal move. Paige wants to go right, so you send her. And all you have to do is throw the challenge, and then you vote out Ben, which we were going to do anyway. So you guarantee Paige comes back happy because she wanted to go, and then Ben, your original target, goes home. 
That's it. It's that simple. 100%. And plus, you're sending them to villains. Do you really think that they're all happy families? Like, surely they thought about that. Of There's Simon and George. They're at each other's throats, obviously. Like, you, you wouldn't need to be on a hero's tribe. You wouldn't need to be that far removed to know that the villains are all trying to one-up each other. Like, of course they're going to use someone like Jerry as a number. That the whole idea that, oh, what if we lose them? Like, they're not going to vote them out for coming over. They're de- they've been losing all these challenges. They're down in the numbers. They need numbers. And they're villains. Why would they possibly vote them out? They're not that strong. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> well, we're all, while we're on Jerry, like, let's, um, let's, let's discuss how he went going over to the villain's tribe. Because, like, his, his foot hurts over at the heroes. He's struggling a little bit. That's why he's been made this target or this easy scapegoat for the heroes tribe. And he's come over straight night one, middle of the, middle of the, um, settlement. Um, and like so, next to Simon, the biggest dude on the tribe. And then he's got George, the coolest dude on the tribe coming up to him and pulling him away and. Jerry's like Jerry's actually got like some pretty good sound bites in him, doesn't he? Like he said that thing like the heroes threw me to the wolves. I might come around with a pack behind me on my way back. Like it, it didn't go too bad. Like there might be some strategy strategy in Jerry. What are your thoughts, mate? Jerry, the old codger, the old sea dog. Um, Simon calls himself a young sea dog, but I don't really see that. Um, but Jerry's found himself in a really good spot because he's come into a, a tribe of eight, which is pretty much split down the middle. And both factions are sort of fighting for him. And because of, I guess, the way he comes across as this old... I mean, they call him the old codger twice. Um, this old guy who seems really nice, likeable, he's injured. There's no real threat level there. So I think both sides, Simon and George, they can see themselves just using him as a number at this point just to get one over each other. So, um, yeah, he's obviously... He got through the vote. He's going to go back to, to Heroes... But I think having this time with the villains, he, he's probably looking to maybe switch allegiances going forward, especially if you're through tribe, tribe swap. I'd imagine he'd be in a pretty good spot. Yeah, definitely. Knowing knowing that he has the uh, the villains on his side, or he knows that he has some sort of footing with a lot of the villains, probably all the villains, even though, yes, he's sort of pushing towards the George side. Like, Simon doesn't know where he stands to a point. So he's got footings all over the place. He's still got Haley and Shana, uh, Shani back at the Heroes. Not to mention, the Heroes didn't hate him. And coming Tribe Swap, it is there is still the team strength that, that you want to win the challenges. But at the same time, there's a lot more abruptions. There's a lot more gameplay because you're trying to go to the merge with the most people from your original tribe. So this does leave him in a quite a good spot. He's I I'm sort of interested to see if um, George does get to bring the villain out of him. But I wanted to say like there's a reason he's flipping. There's a reason that it's so easy for the villains to keep, get him on side. Even if we go back to the rogue vote, rogue was asking to be voted out. Jerry still got split on with four votes from his tribe probably not knowing that they were coming his way. Do you think it was the right move for them to split the votes in the Rogue Tribal? Look, I guess so. Like, it's really hard when it comes to a first tribal because you just don't know about idols. 
The thing for me, though, is that surely they knew that there was no chance in hell that Rogue was going to have an idol. She didn't have the wits about her to find one. If she did, I'm sure she would have shouted it from the rooftops anyway. I don't know. But, I mean, strategically, though, to, to consistently put votes on, Jer- on Jerry, both tribals, it's just it was it was never looking good for them. Surely they could have they could have seen that there were others around. There's some really really big players in that tribe. There's some other players who I'm sure aren't really pulling their weight, but purely going for Jerry because he's the old bloke because he has a bit of a sore ankle. Oh, we need to be challenged strong. We need to be challenged strong. They're already winning the challenges. It's just I don't know. I'm not convinced. Although, can I just say, the one moment that I still can't get past that I think was just absolutely incredible was when Jerry crawls over to the villain's tribe in the middle of the night. He goes to wake up Simon. He's like, Simon, Simon. And then bloody Simon turns around and goes, Sam, is that you? Like, I absolutely capped it. Like, of all the people you think is there, Jerry and Sam, they're absolutely twins, so of course. But, oh, my God. Then bloody George is like, Simon, I want to lie next to you. And just that whole little little bit of a back and forth, the Simon-George tension. Mwah. I wanted to sort of bring up, this is something that we didn't hear about anything this week. Um, Mac, what are your thoughts on Simon's idol? I'm using the air quotes there. Because we haven't seen anything. We haven't, we haven't heard anything from Simon about it. It's pretty sort of been kept under wraps and they've keeping they've kept us for another three episodes. Yeah. Do so, you think this possibly changes maybe our original thoughts? Yeah, I've certainly changed my thoughts on it. So I thought maybe in like the um like the preview sort of thing, JLP would maybe explain it, but he doesn't. He just says not an idol. So we can confirm that it's not an idol. We probably knew that, but there's people out there saying, No, no, it's an idol. It's not. Um I've had I've had new thoughts because Without the note, right, it's just it's a trinket in the game which gives you power for what? So my thought is, at Tribe Swap, someone on the Heroes will also have one, and they might be captains of the tribes or something like that. That's that's where I'm sort of leaning at the moment. Okay. That's that's interesting. That I, I haven't actually heard anyone bring that up, so that's a nice, fresh sort of take on things. Exclusive what from Buff, Blindside, and Banter. Yeah, yeah, it's... Uh, Beck, what, what what do you think this is? What do you think Simon has in his possession? Uh, it's the million-dollar question, isn't it? Everyone's got a view. I've never seen so so much of a mixed opinion about one piece of bloody wood. My God. Look, I, I do think it's certainly something. Um, there's no way that it's just... Like, people that were saying, I've seen in some of the groups, people that were saying, oh, it's just part of the jar. No, 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 no. It's something. It's definitely something. I think the fact that they've just really forgotten about the cookie jar story and that I don't remember seeing it in any of these last two apps. I mean, obviously they had the big tribal the other night where they were all grabbing for the biscuits and having a good old chew during tribal. But I do not, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm more than happy to be corrected, but I did not see that jar once again since. I still think that there's something else in the jar that they're missing whether there's a scroll at the bottom, maybe Mimi kind of pushed it around a bit. I don't know. I, I think that there's a scroll missing. You can't have a little trinket or wood or whatever it is without a scroll in this game, which Simon, I think, <laughs> you'd think that Simon would have kind of studied what a real idol is after the last performance, but I still love him. It's <laughs> it's just hilarious to see him struggle so much. Um, but I don't know. I still think there's a scroll missing. 
that's my that's my two cents. Yeah, no, we we like that. It's um, it sounds good. Like you're right. Like uh, these survivor players, especially like Simon, he he'd, he'd have to know that not having any paperwork with it. There's paperwork with all advantages. There's paperwork with everything, and not having it, me like he's got to know that he doesn't have the full power of the idol, or that he could get stuffed up in the future from it. I I did want to bring up. We get the confirmation. Now, this is interesting because last week we were speculating, did the Mimi vote get flipped at Tribal? And Simon confirms it for us, like, first thing this week, and he confirms that the Mimi vote out was due to the live Tribal. We're starting to see quite a lot more whispering. Obviously, the Jerry twist, uh, the swapping over and then swapping back, that forced the heroes to whisper around there and flick to even get out of a chair, which we don't see very often in Australian Survivor, even in live tribals. And we're seeing less and less in American Survivor. They're sort of trying to push away from it due to editing and stuff. What are your thoughts on the live tribals? Do you think... Do you like these live tribals, Beck? Do you think it's good them voting on a whim? Or Honestly, yes. No, 100%. A hundred percent. I love it. Have more of it any day, please. It makes it so interesting and so captivating because you're watching it exactly as it happens. All of the tribal sort of lead up, you know that we all only ever get to see the edits. I mean, it's edited anyway. Of course, we know that. But I feel like when there's an hour or two hours or half an hour of chats and you only get to see a minute or two of it, it's really hard. You can only ever see the main storyline. In a live tribal, there's nowhere to hide. If people are whispering, we're lucky to sort of hear it through microphones, but for the most part, you know who's going to who. You see it all. And I fucking love it. I'm sorry, but I just love it. The fact that I think what makes a good player is someone who's able to adapt, and the more people can do that during a tribal, like, why not? That's what it's there for. That's traditional. I think traditionally... That's the whole point of having everyone in the room there for a tribal. Otherwise, they'd sit them all in boots and just, like, I don't know, chuck them away and say, you can vote and not talk about it. I love it. I don't know. I just love it. That's I just love it. More yeah, of so it. Mac, yeah. Mac, we guess Beck loves it. <laughs> what are your thoughts, mate? I'm, I'm probably uh, not on the same side of the fence as Beck. Uh, first off, I want to apologize. Um, last week, you were adamant that it was a live tribal and it got changed. And I was so certain that it wasn't. Uh, it didn't make any sense for it not to be. Um, so I do apologise to you, Buckles. Um, now, oh, I, 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 I completely agree with Beck in saying, yeah, good players are adaptable in that. And that's totally fine. But at the end of the day, this is a TV show, right? And last week when it somehow got changed to Mimi Live, I had no idea why or who did what and, and why it even happened. Like, live troubles are fine if we know the motives behind the moves. I had no idea why Mimi was voted out. It just it just said oh live trouble happened and she got voted out. They didn't, no one told us why. Like there was no reason for it. So I like them to a point if I can understand the motivations, like if they're made clear perhaps before tribal council, but they weren't in this situation. I also I, I remember they used to have and sometimes they still do it. They have like when they're first coming back to camp and they're like what the fuck happened sort of mm. thing. They're awesome. Like seeing that. Sometimes they do it as like side videos and stuff like that. Like, that would have been nice just to sort of give us a bit more of a point of view about what was going on. And you watch the players kind of nerd out about the moves as well and try to figure out who voted for who at the very start of the first act. They do it really well in US Survivor. It's something that you really don't see in all Survivor. 
No, I agree with you that that would make it better. See, I, I don't know. I feel like I, I did see what happened with the Mimi vote. There are a couple of side glances. And for me, I was like, oh, damn, maybe they're going to flip on Mimi. And they did. So I don't know. Come on. Yeah. Is well, I, I, when I say, is it enough to flip? I was like, well, I can see that something's going on from the facial expressions. Um, but yeah, maybe, maybe I reckon, yeah, if there was more, there would have been whispers from the mic, the production would have 100% been able to pick up. They just didn't show it. So they cut it out again. If they just showed that, it would have been a lot better. I think. Yeah, I can totally see that. Um, or just make so, yeah. sense. My, my theory last week about it all was that Shawnee was pretty much doing it to appease Simon. Simon's original target was Mimi. And then everyone had sort of flipped it to Steve. That's, I think, why Simon was debating making this move with this, again, air quotes, idol that he has. And when Geordie goes up to Shawnee and Liz and says, oh, Simon can do this. We can take out George right now. What are your thoughts? I almost feel like Shawnee flipped it to Mimi. Like, obviously, she was not having a good tribal from what we hear. Uh, we hear it was a lesson for what not to do in tribal. But flipped it to Mimi to keep Simon almost at bay from making this big move. Like, where were there... Like, Shawnee stopped that war from starting that night. We would have had the war going on all week this week. And we almost had the war start again last night with the Sarah vote out. Sarah ends up getting voted out unanimously. George killed it for this Sarah vote, getting everyone to turn on her. He gets Stevie on his side. He's got Jerry on his side. He does lose Sarah, who was one of his players. And Simon technically gains Sarah. But then Simon loses Sarah when she gets voted out. We've got the war coming. Are we seeing this... At Tribe Swap? Are we seeing this at Merge? What are your thoughts? Who's going to win this war? What are your thoughts, Mac? Well, I mean, if you ask me who's going to win the war, I would always say George, just because he's a better player. But the move to get Sarah out does not benefit George at all. Because I don't think Sarah jumped to Simon's side. I think I think she might have been floating in the middle of an eight-person group. Um, but now she's gone, and now Jerry's going to go back, and it's going to be four against three. On to Simon with the four, with uh, Stevie, Geordie, and Fraser. So, George has come out worse for wear. Yes, fine, he did all the legwork and stuff, but it was really detrimental to his plans. Um, I think a swap will probably save him. Uh, but, if yeah, I think at the end of the day, George will be the person to get Simon out, just because, just because that's what we're seeing with the edit. Like, Simon's hell-bent, 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 and we always see it, and whoever that person is generally always goes home by the other person's hand. Definitely. Well, like we could see Simon be another Phoebe, a two-time great player or, in our view, a player that's better than average, um, getting voted out <laughs> and not making merge twice. <laughs> what do you think, Beck? <laughs> Always on Phoebe, mate. Poor Phoebe. <laughs> a lovely girl. Um, yeah, look, look, I just find Simon one of the most entertaining players I've ever seen. Um, I just... Like we, the moves, the moves, they're not, they're not pristine. They're not polished. They're wooden the best, but um, they're great to watch. And look, I, it, but I mean, to, it, to one extent, George's play the last time around 
at the very start, they were wooden at best. He just learned to adapt and did a lot better over time. He didn't have two idols in his pocket to sort of flaunt and get excited over. But, you know, we did see George kind of learn the game. Maybe Simon needs time to learn the game. Maybe he's had time. Now we've got this alleged idol that he's hell-bent on, on using. We just don't know. I mean, I still... I, I do also agree that George probably will win, but I think it would just be really interesting if Simon does manage to take out George and what that would then do to him as a player and what that would do to his already massively inflated ego. I think that would just be an interesting watch, to say the least. And how long that, even if you do get George out, then what does that mean for Simon? Is he then just next? All the other way around. It's just there's so many different variables that play this season, and that's why I'm just loving it so much. Uh, definitely, definitely. Well, while we're here at the Sarah Voot, I wanted to talk about we haven't had a single returning player voted out of this game yet. We've had we've lost Jackie to a medivac. We've talked about the advantage of being a returning player, knowing production. Um, there's talk about George was saying out there on the island how he knew when a twist was coming. He knew he could feel it. He just because he, he was following the episodes in his head. This is going to be this episode, blah, blah, blah. And Simon, knowing all this sort of stuff, knowing how to do his confessionals the way he does, like he's such an entertaining player. We Are we going to have a newbie break the mould this season? Are we going to see Matt, Fraser, Liz or Ben maybe possibly just become this massive survivor player for the future? Do you see that, Mac? Look... Like, who's going to do it? Like, the newbies are so timid. There's not many gamers there, eh? Like, I don't see it. Like, the best ones, like, maybe in the best spot is probably David. And, like, he doesn't even get a confessional. Um, Liz is is going well as, like, Shawnee's sidekick. But being her sidekick, we're only going to hear from Shawnee. Like, they're not doing anything, the newbies. And the, the returnees are running rings around them, really. Like, the experience counts. And you can see that for sure. Like, they're just schooling them. It's not really fair, but you know it's a better it's a better watch because the returnees they understand TV. It seems like they can give a confessional, they can make it entertaining. Whereas the newbies probably haven't mastered that yet. Um, Beck, is there any newbies that you think could be have a polished game or a polished move that's not wooden? It's really hard to say, isn't it? Because there is just so little that we've seen. I do wonder. Not necessarily being a devil's advocate or disagreeing, but I just wonder whether production potentially makes decisions about whose confessionals would be more entertaining based on the fact that they are a returning and therefore we know them, therefore we want to hear from them, therefore here they are. I just wonder. I mean, for all we know, Ben could be giving the absolute most fire confessionals ever. I mean, we already had the meat tray. Right? That was the moment. I mean, there might be others, and we're just seeing them. I don't know. It's just, it's so early in the game still, as, as much as, like, I think that we're, honestly, we can be really grateful that this season so far, it's been, what, two weeks, six steps. We've had so much happen. It has actually been such an entertaining, divisive, just interesting early game that I will happily say that I didn't see in some of the last couple of seasons. I did get bored pretty quick. Even as a super fan, I shouldn't say it, but I'm going to say it. This time, I think it's just been really interesting. And when we go to whatever the next phase of the game might be, 
I don't know. I just feel like maybe the newbies will come out and see. So I'm not ready to say yes. I'm not ready to say no. I just want to be very inquisitive and excited and hope that there's just a heap of shit that we're not seeing. Yeah. Look, we, we haven't seen a confessional from David yet. He's the only person out there that hasn't had a confessional. Is we he? Sort of talking, yeah. We were sort of talking last week about we were actually sort of a bit proud that these confessionals, like they were, they were sort of getting chucked around. Yes, they were definitely like your Georges, your Simons, your Shawnees. They were getting a majority of confessionals. Johnny didn't have a single confessional this week, which was a very big surprise because I could see Shawnee as sort of a front runner in confessionals. Um, she's still third, but she had a very big week one. But we had Sam getting David's confessional for David's plan to take out Haley at the Jerry trial. Can't we just get one little thing? Oh, I found the note in the pizza. And I was just passed it to Sam. Then move on to Sam. Then have Sam talking about this note that they found together. It's not that hard to just chuck in a tiny little soundbite. It doesn't even have to be funny. It's just showing up and showing that David's in the game. Buckles, uh, we, we spoke about this in preseason, mate. What does now? I want you. I'm going to say three names, and I want you to, to tell me what's what's common about the three of them: um, David Zakarakis, Simon Black, Gavin Wanganine. What what links them all together? So I think they kick a footy around the field. And I think that's about <laughs> it, mate. They don't talk on the show. They're boring. No one wants to hear from them. Okay. Well, like, I, I, I got to agree with you. Like, I've, I've heard, I think I've said it, I've heard Simon Black in his commentary. He's, he's a reasonably funny dude. He's reasonably entertaining. I'm not the biggest fan of AFL, um, but, like, they do. They can, they can just chuck in just a small soundbite here and there. They don't. They doesn't have to. They don't have to make them the star of the show. Just introduce us. We still haven't got a video from David Zakarakis or Zach Galifianakis or whatever his name is. <laughs> Zach Galifianakis. <laughs> um, but we like. I just. I just want to know who the guy is. I don't even know what his voice sounds like. Pretty much. No, that's fair. You forget because it's just in the everyday talking. And well, well, we're with this note for the for the clue. And what do you think about Sean not mentioning to the boys that he's got the idol? What are your thoughts, Beck? Villainous, very villainous, as as he uh, rightfully calls himself. No, I think it's a really smart move. Hey, like you don't. I mean, it, it's always interesting to try to they talk play talk about building trust early on, but you don't just go and run and tell people what you find straight away. I mean, good on him. He's thinking further ahead. He's thinking end game. He's thinking, what can I find? Because you, you just never know whether that little alliance might break up um, very quickly, whether it be from a swap or otherwise. That information is absolutely power. So all power to him for keeping it as... Yeah, and you can see that the trust that he has with these guys, like Sam gives him the clue to hold. So he already has them in the palm of his hand. Him having the idol and not saying anything, not giving up that information to these two, definitely gives him power in the future. We get a, we get a little soundbite from Sam commenting that this idol could help either one or all of the boys get to the end. Could this be a Sean winning edit? Mac? I mean, yeah, it, 
You can, I can see it. Yeah, he's playing well. Um, just on it, should he have told the boys? I probably say yes, he should. Only because of like Sam's Mister Loyalty, Mister Mateship. Like that's his brand. So if you're not going to tell him, and then you have to play it, and he's still there, you sort of maybe you lose a bit with him. Um, but in terms of the Sean winning thing, I think you said it in a previous podcast. Um, if you haven't heard them, go back and listen to them. Um, Mark winning the last season was probably the worst thing for Sean because being like the biggest guy in the season and somehow getting through to the end, people have seen that now. And Sean is certainly bigger than Mark, and there's nowhere to hide from him. Um, he must he's going to have to play an absolutely world class game to get through, I don't know, three votes at the merge. I don't see it happening. Yeah, it's, it's it does have a lot of obstacles, and I think Mark winning last season is a huge obstacle for him because it's so fresh in everyone's mind. We've had three large winners. We've had David, we've had Haley, we've had Mark. These are all big players, and that, that takes us away from that beta winner that we've expected of Australian Survivor. And he, Sean is as far from a beta as you can possibly get. Do you see any other any real obstacles for Sean being a decent winning contender, Beck? So hard to tell, isn't it? It's just I do see it. I do see the slight winners edit there. It's interesting, isn't it? Like, I mean, at this stage, could you ever really foresee someone like David being a winner at this stage? Could you ever say he's getting such a winner edit because we've never heard from him? No, there's just no chance. So. Yeah, you've really got to look at who's getting all those confessionals, but they're not sort of going out of the way to hit themselves in the head like Simon and just, it's just, yeah, it's really interesting. I do agree on the whole. The players are going to have to take a really good look at, well, what have we seen so far? Can it happen again? Can history repeat itself? I just think, who knows? But it's interesting to watch at least. Yeah, I've got, I've just brought up the confessionals, the confessional count up to episode six. So we've got Simon on 32, George on 31. I actually, I, I mistakenly lied before. Shawnee's actually fifth. Sean's third on 26. We've got Haley on 23. Haley's a big player. You're expecting her to get a decent amount of the edit. Shawnee, as I said, didn't have a single confessional this week. Is still on 22 in fifth. We've got Sam on 15. These are all returning players. We've got Sean is the pop newbie on 10 and she's an actress. We've got Jerry on nine. Everyone else sort of floats underneath that. Nina's actually only got three, which is a little bit of a surprise. I'm sorry, everyone who's got uh, Nina as the winner pick, but (laughs) while we're we're there with Sean and getting to the end, we've got the shield strategy and the shield strategy is being used on both the heroes and the villains tribes this season. We've got George being the biggest player on the villains. We've got Shawnee and Geordie now, even working him and keeping him in front of themselves. Now we've got Sean and Flick using Haley as a shield. And what's, what are your thoughts about using Haley as a shield? She's a winner. Like, are we, aren't you stressed that she might just take this and stab you in the back with it? Mac? So we spoke about it last week um, with Simon using George and we said it's not a good idea. He's actively working against you and being a physical threat over a strategic threat, the shields don't really align. And I see the same thing here with with Sean and Hayley. Um, Sean is literally like the biggest human being ever. He can't hide behind Hayley. Like 
not just physically, but like in the game sense, because they're looking at different things. Um, when it gets to the, like the challenges and stuff, people are just going to say, "Oh, Sean's going to win them all. We we can't keep him around." And whereas Haley having that winner threat, I understand that she is a shield and maybe a little bit more for Fleek, um, but you just can't. Sean can't use her as a shield. It just it, it doesn't correlate. I don't think. Yeah, I, 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 we, I just all I think back is to Sean trying to like hide behind those bloody bloody fu- uh, palm fronds, and I'm just like I'm picturing him just holding up Haley instead, <laughs> just, like, <laughs> just stay there at the well, just trying to Modern hide behind image. her. And yeah. <laughs> um, Beck, we've we've got these huge players like George and Haley, and like this type, this caliber player aligning with someone like that. I believe that it's not in your best interest to have them as shields unless you're playing with them, unless you're in their corner. Uh, can you see sort of Simon still hiding behind George at the moment? Oh, not a chance. Not a chance. I mean, I don't think that they might say it in the confessionals, but I don't think that they realistically believe that Simon doesn't realistically believe that George is his shield. And there's no way that George thinks that Simon is his shield. I just don't think that, Players like that, whether it's that or whether it's combinations of bring Haley and Sean in, like I don't know, do they really think that they're shields or are they just scared that if that if they bring along that if they well, if they align too closely together, then everyone's just gonna see them as a power couple and whoop, out they go. I just I just don't see it. I just don't see the shield. I just wanna see some knives really. That's all that I guess. I'm done we with the, the shield. We want the water start. We do. We've got it like it's all well and good to let everyone say, oh, it's not. It's too early. It's too early. It's well, it's not too early. It's never too early to make a move. Let's see some moves. Let's go. Let's see some moves. Well, talking about a move, Geordie aligning with George. Mac, is this is this a good move for Geordie? Like, he's obviously in Simon's corner. Do you – like, he worries that George could end up burning him. Could we see George just taking out? two of these big players like Geordie and Simon, like, because they're trying to hide behind him and no, no. stay clear of getting the target. No, I think this is a good move. I think it's always best to line with anyone who's open to it. And it seems like George is genuinely open to working with Geordie. So if that's the case, then even if they're not on the same side for the moment, they won't be targeting each other. And that was their conversation. I can keep you out of the vote if you keep me out of the vote. And having someone like that is invaluable, I think, especially when it is really um, clear fractures. To have someone on the other side at least protecting you, I think it's great. I think it's a good move for both of them. And, yeah, I could see them working together. Like, why not? Like, they're both returnees. They're both surprisingly both good players this season. Um, Yeah, I think it's a good move. Um, Beck, we haven't actually heard anything from you about Geordie. What are your feelings on him this season? Like, he was the joker last season. He was a confessional gem in the eyes of Australian Survivor producers. He's come back this season. We, are you seeing a change in him? I'm seeing him as a cleverer player, yeah, absolutely. It's interesting. I was waiting to see the silly old joker Geordie that we all came to know and love, but we're actually seeing quite a good player and it's great to see I mean the way that he managed to handle Simon through that tribal where Simon went come on let's get out George let's go let's go he's just like no we're not doing it mate we're not doing it he could have so easily taken that trigger and just gone yeah let's cause chaos 
held him back. He managed to hold Simon back despite them still being really good allies and continuing to be really good allies after completely blocking his move. I think that's just incredible how he's managed to pull that off. And I think that I agree. I think that the move of the George move, it's clever. I mean, if nothing else, it's an anyone but me move. Like, why not do it with everyone? It's, it's risky if you can manage to do it with everyone. I don't think anyone realistically ever could. But why not try it on one or two people? Anyone but me? Then I won't vote for you. You don't vote for me. Do it with a couple of people. Get the votes off you. Happy days. So, good on him. Right, now, awesome. Well, let's jump to a not-so-good move. We, we see Ben get his intro package. And then he decides to make a fake idol in the middle of, tr- of the tribe. Mac, what what is this accomplishing? Uh, like, what what's, he, what's what's his aim here? Is this a mistaken move that he th- thought was like bringing the tribe together, but it's that backfired on him? What are your thoughts, mate? Honestly, I can't fathom the thought behind it. He's saying it's team bonding. You're literally sitting there by yourself, mate. Like, no one's bonding with you. They're now scared of you. That no one likes you as it is. So now when there is a swap and you pretend you got a fake idol, um, one of the heroes just tells everyone it's 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 fake. I don't it's 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 a dumb idea. Like I'm all I'm all for fake idols, love a fake idol, but not when it's public. Um, if he finds a real idol, now we can talk. Now we can get jiggy with it, he can do something with it. Um, pretend you know, he can play off the fake one and then use the real one. So there's there's a there's a play there, but for the moment it was just bad, and it, you could see how how sketchy people got out, um, sketched out people got by it. Like they instantly, like, oh, what's he doing? And then he became a target. That next trouble council. So uh, bad move from Ben. Um, he's my winner pick, so he will hopefully recover from this. Uh, Beck, what are, what are your thoughts on this fake idol thing? It just, yeah, absolutely bonkers. I just don't understand it either. <laughs> It's like, surely there was a reason, but we just didn't see it. Like, did he ever explain it? Was it just in his head? Did it seem like a great idea? I don't know. There's nothing about it that made sense to me. If it was a really pivotal point in the game and they were about to go to tribal and he was doing it as a way of showing off his... I don't know. Even then, I I can't even think of it, to be honest. There's just nothing I can think of. It's a silly move. Hopefully he does better. We got, we've got, we've had some interesting reward challenges this week. So we've, well, the interesting rewards, may I say. So the heroes have won all three of them. They got a bit gypped on the first two, don't you think? What, what were we trying to get out of that? Were they trying to make the survivors players MacGyver or something by getting these frozen pizzas cooked? Beck, how would you feel if you got given a frozen pizza reward? Be devastated. Surely you'd immediately go find JLP, storm off the set and go, Oi! I know I would. I don't know. I mean, we didn't really see what they really did with it other than, I mean, they they just, forgive me, they just ate them cold, didn't they? They didn't even try to put them on the fire. Wood fire pizza, guys. Come on. I don't know. It's just poor, poor things, honestly. Just... Be absolutely devastated. You put in all that effort to win the challenge, and you get a frozen pizza. Yuck! Yuck! Mac, Mac, you're a chippy. Could you whip something up to cook these pizzas? Oh, look, I mean, I actually I used to own a pizza shop as well back in the day, but um, we won't go into that now. 
But yeah, I probably would have made something like. But but what, who's this for? Who who wants to see someone eat frozen pizza or, or or make a little oven? Like this is not entertaining. Just give them a pizza and move on with it. What are we doing? Oh. I wonder if it was sponsored by McCain, or if it could have been, then it would have at least been a storyline to it. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah. What, what are we doing? Let him eat the food. McCain, they didn't do it again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got, we've got uh, George's comment, the, uh, what is it, the uh, pressure on the pink panties <laughs> um, to David at the footy challenge. They love these footy challenges. They love showing off these AFL players. Are we going to get a pole vault challenge for Liz? It would only be fair, wouldn't it? I feel like it was such a huge advantage for the heroes having two AFL players in a kicking challenge, and then you see Geordie miss what three times? Like, it's it's not real fair. The heroes are already jacked; they're stacked, and the the villains are against it. And then they they you know they give a challenge that suits them to the T. Um, yeah, hopefully there's a pole vaulting one coming up. That way, Liz can just dominate because who can use a pole vault? I've, I've never used one. Uh, I've, I've I've never used one. I did, I did a little athletics, but they didn't they didn't have it there. I think it's probably a bit too dangerous for kids to do. Um, we've also got this next reward, and Sam gets the the piece of paper. He reads it out to the tribe. Um, the piece usually like they sort of pick and choose who's gonna uh, do the choosing of who gets what, but this time the notes done it for them. They've picked Sam. What are our thoughts on Sam's options for what he gave to each and every player? Beck, would you be happy with the mini pie? I mean, as a vegetarian, no. But <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, I, to be fair, I mean, I, I think I would eat it anyway if I was out there. But I mean, uh, it's so hard, isn't it? It's interesting that he definitely went for his mates, mates for mates, gifts for mates. It was uh, an interesting little one. Yeah, mateship. Mateship, yeah, the boys. It was, I don't know. You'd think that he'd at least try to get a sense of what people would want. I mean, there was nothing. I didn't see there being anything wrong with him at least asking. You know, try to have a bit of camaraderie amongst your team. If you're so into mateship, at least try to show it. There's a a thing called scissors, paper, rock. Yeah. Sorry, Mac. What was that? Everyone seemed pretty happy with it. Like there was most of it was pretty good items. Like the two dud prizes were like the slice, the, the slice of bread which he took, and the small meat pie. But the rest of it was like everything there was pretty pretty good. Um, and with his giving it to his mates, like they're like Sean and uh, David, the two biggest guys on the on the tribe. You can easily just play it off like that. Like I got to feed the guys that are winning the challenges. Like the horse has got to eat. You, you got to give them the, you know something decent. So I think he did the right thing. I don't. I know it wasn't transparent, but I feel like his alliance is not transparent. Like, everyone knows they're together. So, I, I, I didn't think it was a bad move, to be honest. Yeah, he, and, like, eating the crappy bit of gluten-free toast or whatever himself, like, that, that is sort of what you've got to do in that position. Because if he took the chocolate cake, he'd probably lose trust with at least half of the team, oh, half of the tribe. Yeah. Um, we got, we've, we get the two sort of gypped rewards, but this third reward, they got everything. That was the Taj Mahal of rewards. They got all the comfort items, all the tools. We get lasagna and we got photos from home. Now I can't say I'm, I get overly emotional about a TV product, 
But Beck, what were your feelings on uh, these guys looking at their photos from home 13 days into this game? I mean, you go from frozen lasagna, I mean, well, no, sorry, frozen pizza to the whole horse. Like, spread it out a bit, guys. Um, <laughs> no, look, you know, it, it's interesting. I just wonder to what extent, I've never sort of been on Survivor, so I don't know, but I always wonder to what extent I will cry over my loved ones that, that after just two weeks. I don't know. Again, I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm being callous, but I feel like I would be really, really bad at crying that quickly. I mean, I've, I've cried over plenty of other things, plenty. But over a photo, two weeks in, I don't know. I like In saying that, though, it was absolutely gorgeous to see some of the moments, you know, I think. Because um, you did see Paige and her grandmother. That was an absolute moment. Like, it was really lovely to see that she'd clearly be going through that grief and, you know, that would be so- something rather comforting. But, yeah, look, it, it, it's cool. I mean, I think it's still a little bit more than what we've seen in other seasons of Survivor. Like, I don't remember any of the earlier US seasons having photos nailed to the trees that quick. It's pretty pretty nice. You would think. Yeah, Mac, how about you, mate? Do you get emotional in these sort of moments? Oh, I probably you... get more emotional watching it at times. I didn't this time. We're at the viewing party, so it wasn't much emotion happening. I barely watched it. Um, but, yeah, look, it's nice. And, and I know Beck's, yeah, it's two weeks. You've got to think, two weeks of starvation. Uh, maybe it's cold. You can't trust anyone because you're in this game. It's, it's mentally draining. And you know, having that piece of home, it, it's nice, you know. It's it's nice to see. Um and I think maybe after two weeks, yeah, I might miss my family, you know. I've got a wife and a daughter, and, yeah, if I didn't see them for two weeks and I was in this game where I couldn't contact them or, or you know, I didn't trust anyone, yeah, you might feel a little bit lonely. Fair enough. I have I have no partner, no kids, no life, so I wouldn't be missing anyone. I got nothing to sort of <laughs> – nothing to think about. Uh, and like my parents, they'll they'll hear from me when they hear from me. It's that sort of simple. You're too heartless. Uh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, I, what I did in what I did enjoy was uh, Matt's four nervous poos before he proposed. That was uh, that was a nice little anecdote. Uh, did you did you get the nervous poos before you proposed, Matt? Uh, I mean, it's probably a story for another day. But I was extremely hungover when I did propose, and um, so I was doing yeah you know, the AGBs. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't good, but uh, yeah, I got, I, I got the job done. <laughs> you got you the job yes done. No, I, no, I just said yes in the end. Well, that's that's always a positive. Um, we've also got Haley's house that she bought. Thank you, Survivor. Oh man, that was such a little dig. You think that some people would have gone? Oh my God, Haley has got to go, guys. Come on, out of that moment, but. I guess, no, it was pretty nice, though. Like, she, I mean, she won. She deserved that prize money. It's nice to see where it goes, because you don't always hear about it. So, I don't know. Yeah, I think it was nice that they did chuck that in. Yeah, and I also, I also thought it was, uh, cute, like Ben with his high school sweetheart of over 20 years. Like, obviously, that's, um, sort of early 2000s and not as accepted back then. So it's sort 100%. Of good. So good laughed. to see. Yeah. So good to see, and they're happy together, and Channel 10 had no qualms about playing that. I think that's just great that that's just no, long, no longer about an eyelid sort of moment anymore. It's not a massive, like, oh, my God, let's go to a massive five-minute story about the fact that gays exist. I think it's just, here's my partner. 
it's amazing. We've been together for a really long time and it's accepted. I think that's really beautiful. Yeah, no, it was cute. Do we know, do we think many of them knew who Sandra was? <laughs> when Nina oh, that was funny. Yeah, I wonder. I do wonder. It didn't seem like it. She even said, I know, who, I know some of you know who she is. I'm like, well, who doesn't know who Sandra is if you're a Survivor player? Please. We do, we're still in. I, I'm, I'm very critical about this, Beck. I find Australia's in its recruitment stage. So if you think back to like the early 20s of American Survivor when just everyone was a model or an influencer or something to that effect, a lot of them hadn't seen. And like having these minor celebrities when we have so many super fans in this country that watched American Survivor from the start, been watching Australian Survivor. Uh, what are your thoughts on sort of this recruitment stage and where we are with some of these newbies? It's so hard when you see someone that's just clearly, A, never seen the game. But that's one thing. Surely once you know that you've been cast, just go and watch an air, pop on template, play one or two. Just Google it. Google Survivor, best moments, a 10-minute video, a 10-minute YouTube video. I'm sure there's plenty of – they could listen to a podcast. They could listen to this podcast. Hello to any uh, prospective recruited players listening. This is where you absolutely come and find out how to play Survivor right here. Um, look, I just uh, – it's so – it's just so sucky when there are so many fans – that would play. But in saying that, one thing that I will say is that of those players that have been recruited, at least some of them end up being absolutely incredible characters that are now converted. I'm thinking of someone like Chrissy. She was very, very open about the fact that she's never seen the game. And now she is someone, and I'm trying not to sort of self-plug Brisbane and the Brisbane events, but Chrissy is at every single... Survivor fan event now, and she's just incredible and such a lovely, bubbly person. I'm like, I don't know whether she has watched any other seasons of Survivor since, but watching for someone like her, watching the way she ended up learning the game was interesting. But then again, it's just, it's still a bit of an exception to the rule. And when it is your quasi influencer or your footy player, it's really, really hard to get behind them when it's very clear that they've never seen Survivor, they've never understood Survivor, they don't really know anything about it other than they might get a bit of money for being there. It, it is just, it's a little bit hard to watch. Yeah. A bit heartbreaking for us super fans that want to be on the show. Hey, Matt. 100%. Give, give us a get, give us a go, give us a shot. <laughs> We're right here, guys. Yeah. Max, Max, Max is a good looking dude. He makes good TV. He'll kick their ass. I like to think so, but I mean, I've applied every season. I'm still sitting here in my, in my house. I haven't upgraded my house yet. Survival with us. Yeah. Obviously, I'm stuck here with you guys. It's living the dream, mate. We ought to run Well, let's talk, we can talk about some of the prep. So we've got George's transformation. And I just wanted to say, like, how impressed I was with that pole challenge where they're hanging upside down. Like between him and Stevie, they and like even Stevie with the monkey bars, like the prep that they've done for this season to be physically fit, knowing that Australian Survivor is such a physical, uh, physical hero edited show, 
and they really push everyone into the tackling challenges, the tug of wars, etc. Um, I think it's quite impressive how much further he's come since Brains versus Brawn. What are your thoughts on that, Beck? When he literally sat on the ground because he could, he was just done with the challenge. Yeah, <laughs> like, look, hundred percent agree. Like George. And CB practiced their hugging. There was a lot of hugging practice going on before they came on, and it's excellent. <laughs> no, no, I think I think it's, it's it's really really impressive to see people prepare to see anyone prepare from whatever walk of life they're coming from. I think especially for someone like CB, he's an older gentleman. You know, he would have had to do a lot more work to be able to match up physically to some players. I mean, we all know that. It's him against someone like Sean. I mean, we've literally seen it, which has been incredibly entertaining. But he's never going to be able to hit a certain level necessarily. But the fact that he's putting in the effort is so impressive to see. So impressive. Good on him. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it is good on him. It's good on him to both of them. Um, I had another person that prepped for the show without even realizing that they prepped for the show. Paige and Ben finger signing those letters. That was um, that was a pretty cool moment. Please tell me you at least watched that challenge, Mac. Of course I did. No, that was actually really cool. Um, it, you know, we've never seen that before, and having that little bit of, um, I guess, uh, common ground sort of thing, like both having someone deaf in their life and it actually coming to use in Survivor, it's crazy. Like it, it was just a cool moment, you know. Um, but then seeing the villains just like work it out and just like race and how good was that challenge, like. I mean, I'm not a challenge guy, I've said exactly. that, but I actually thought that one and the other one with the fire-making um, bonfire thing, the two really good challenges, really epic and, like, fun to watch, uh, which usually I don't... So watch. fun to watch. Yeah. So fun to watch. Gripping. And the fact that they, they, the villain strategy was, let's just copy them, and it actually worked. I mean, it was so close to working. They, You could tell, they had no idea what those words were. They were just copying, and they were a millisecond away from winning. A millisecond. So so Buckles and myself were at the viewing party, and, and watching that challenge, everyone was, like, screaming. And when like when it was down to that, like, yeah, the milliseconds at the end, it was crazy. Like, the, the room erupted, and it was, it was, it was very exciting. It would have been. And seeing that sign language, that was just such a moment to give a, a little tiny itty bitty bit of exposure for something like sign language, something that probably isn't talked about on TV as much. I mean, I think during COVID and whatnot, we saw a lot, we saw a lot more of that during the press conferences and it wasn't talked about. I know up in Queensland, Mikey, one of the premier's main sign language dudes, he, he sort of became a mini celeb. But I think other than those kinds of moments, we don't really talk about um, those kinds of skills and that kind of accessibility for people out there. So I think it's just really lovely that Survivor can just weave those little things in. It's just, it is just a game show where people are running around half nude on an island in the end, but it's nice to see those little tidbits. Yeah. No, it, it was awesome. As someone, so I've learned finger signing. And I'm trying to go sort of to that next step. Like I know my numbers and stuff like that. It was really cool to watch. I very much, I very much enjoyed it. It, it made really good TV and the challenge was epic. We've, you got to give it to Australian Survivor. The challenges are epic. Even if that's the only word you can use for them. They are huge. They're good. They're physical. I did want to sort of, sort of take something back a little bit get completely off the challenge. And I wanted to talk about 
this speculation of the Simon vote for Sarah. I don't know if you guys have seen this on the internet, but Simon, when he was giving his confessional, had Sarah's name written on the parchment. And in the view, it's gone all over Facebook, there is another parchment with Sarah written on it. I've seen it. I've yeah. seen it. And it's so interesting. So I think that as a starting point, and, you go, and I think as Uber fans, we all know this, probably, but I'm not, but I wonder if everyone does. I think it's, it's something that was always been one of those little rumor facts of Survivor, a bit of a demyth, if you will, is that those little, um, those little parchments that you see under someone's vote, it looks like there's like a pile of paper on the table, right? What happens in both Australian and American Survivor is that it's not actually a piece of paper. It's just, uh, allegedly, it's just the table with a picture of a parchment on it. So I think that that fact alone is really interesting with this little moment. Was that, like, is it still that piece of paper on the table or was there a second piece of paper over the top? Was it the pen that went through, that seeped through, or is it just a second vote on there that he wanted to rewrite? I just don't know. I just don't know. But it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any speculation on this? Yeah. So I'm not a handwriting expert, but I saw someone on Facebook claim that it was the same handwriting that Simon had just written. So that had seeped through. I I didn't know that was a a, a picture of a parchment. I thought it was like a stack of papers. Um, So that's interesting. I I imagine, like, surely, like, I'm just assuming production cleans that off before the next person comes up like they make sure you can't see who the person before you voted for like surely yeah well like back in survivor australia and american survivor uh they actually uh, uh what was what's who was the big guy that came second colby bloody yeah colby bloody colby so there was talk about colby seeing one of the other votes in the urn so they actually remove the votes out of the urn between every person that walks up there. So then you can't accidentally see the pe- previous person's vote. And I sort of also wonder, this is a TV product. Did he maybe stuff up the H or something? It didn't look very TV aesthetic. I know I'm not the neatest writer myself. And then he's just rewritten it for the show. So then it looks a little bit better when he's saying his thing. It's, it's weird though, like what would, what would really be, the, like as much as I understand the oh my god look at it, I wonder is this just really just fans geeking out over the fact that they saw something on the screen? Because like, what really does it achieve seeing that, that he's written Sarah down twice? It's not like there's another name there, it's not like, you know, George is actually there and he's picked it up and swapped it, it's just Sarah. He was voting for Sarah. What does this achieve? It's a scandal bag. Oh, yeah, it's a scandal. So contentious. He wrote down Sarah twice. Come on, guys. (laughs) Anyway, moving on to next week. We're thinking it's a tribe swap. I think it's a tribe swap. What are your guys' thoughts? Are we getting a swap? Swappity, swappity. Bring it on. I'm keen. I'm down for it. We saw something in the yard. There There was a flame. There were individual people, and that, if my television psychic powers tell me anything else, a flame mixed with conversations 
equals a guaranteed merge or tribe swap. That's the formula, isn't it? I'm calling it. Yeah, I mean, JLP was very, like, like, when Geordie said, oh, we're having a tribe swap. Who said tribe swap? I never said tribe swap. So, I mean, Geordie's (laughs) going to say that, but it probably is swap. Or if it's not a swap, um, I think the Jordan-Simon fight begins and one of them will go. Yeah, well, we, we, we do hear the promos coming out for next week for Sunday's episode is the biggest tribal in Australian history. So if they if someone on this season can beat the Daisy Boot in All Stars, mm. be very impressed. I think we're going to see Sue's big move, finally. <laughs> finally, Sue's big move. <laughs> um, I guess let's move on. To the players that got voted out, let's um let's rank them. Let's um have a bit of a chat about them. I let's start with Sarah. Let's let's not start with the other one. Let's start with Sarah. Ranked as a player, she got voted out for being a bit a bit slippery, a bit snakish. Um, even though she had that awesome that awesome line about I tread on snakes with my my stilettos or whatever. Uh, as a player. Did we see much gameplay in her? Well, they all said how social she was, which I guess it's hard to show that on the TV. But like one of the main reasons was she was talking to everyone, and it was that was threatening. Um, what you said there about the snake on the slider thing—that's gold confessional stuff. But she said that to Simon. That's stuff you keep for the confessionals, and you have to say it in a nicer way when you're talking to other players. So I think that was a downfall. Um, Beck thoughts. <laughs> Not saying it to Simon and not for the confessionals. Like, keep it for the cheapy guys. Come on. Oh, I love that. Look, yeah, I think she, she didn't, I didn't really notice her that much, to be honest. I, I don't know if that's a, a bad thing to say, but I didn't really, like, she wasn't really someone sticking out to me as a big player until that moment. And it ultimately was her downfall when she was trying to put herself in the middle position compared to someone like, Steve, who ended up actually successfully doing it in that boat, she tried, but she just went too hard. So, I mean, I think good on her for trying. At least she's a new player that was at least giving it a go, you know? We saw her try, she failed. Exactly. She's actually watched the show, so that's always a positive. Uh, (laughs) I'm, I'm almost giving her memorable moment is that stiletto line or her kicking George on the ground <laughs> when um, she was joking about uh, pushing Miss Grease down the stairs. And can we see her possibly returning in the future? No. Mac? No. <laughs> so direct. Do you want to see her Where's again? Where's the banter, Mac? <laughs> um, Beck, can we possibly see a Sarah return? Mm, I think there may be some other players that we might see before. As a civil answer. <laughs> As a Miss World would say. Uh, be careful, she'll push you down the stairs. So. She'll, she'll tell everyone that she pushed you down the stairs. She'll use that as her as a alter ego. And I guess um, I'm going to just pump this out so you guys don't have to say this again because I've obviously heard your guys' thoughts. Rogue is a player, horrible, never watched the show. Uh, as a character... She definitely made everyone angry if that was the character she was going for. Um, I did not enjoy her. I don't want to talk about any memorable moments that we got. And will she return? Hell the fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> um, and let's move on to 
the buff of the week or the buff of the episodes. Um, I'm, I'm just going to just jump straight in and I'm going to give my buff for episode four to Haley. Now, the reason I'm giving it to Haley is because the end result of what she wanted, she wanted the votes on Rogue with it split on someone other than herself. We don't really see how she did it or if it was even her that did it, but getting those other votes on Jerry, making, giving her no way of going home in this episode and stopping any move that Sean was planning to do to vote her out. Um, I, I think, I think she was the player of the episode. I was thinking Sean, but I'm giving it to Haley. What are you thinking, Mac? Yeah, so I thought all three episodes this week were pretty tough. Like sometimes you watch an episode and there's a clear dominant player who dictates the episode. They lay out their strategy and it happens, right? In all these episodes, we didn't have that. So we had to sort of look a bit deeper. Um, for episode four, I've tossed up between Sean and Flick. And even now, I'm still I'm not 100% sure. But I'm going to go with Flick. Only because um, for what we see, she's sort of in the middle of everything. Everyone's coming away with the plans. She's sort of dictating. She's got sort of Sean on a bit of a leash. She's got Haley, So I guess they're like the two main powers of the tribe. And she's right in the middle in a good spot to sort of navigate. So... For episode four, I'm going to go Flick. How about you, Beck? Who's your player of the episode? I'm just going to say Nina for the simple reason that she clapped back to Rogue uh, and she did it so bloody eloquently. Um, she spoke, she said what everyone was thinking, good on you, Nines. <laughs> yeah, good on you, Nina. It's a, it's a real shame we haven't seen more of her in this season, actually. I um, I noticed that when I saw that she'd only had three confessionals. Hundred percent. We were expecting it. Yeah. Moving on to the next episode, um, I'm feeling another flick vote. I um, I think flick playing that uh, sort of behind Sean a little bit, using Haley as the shield, which I think Haley is a better shield for flick, and making that decision to not vote Haley. And then also pretty much running that live tribal, getting up, convincing Paige out of it, etc. I want to give that to Flick. What are you thinking, Mac? Yeah, so I'm going the opposite to you. I'm going to go Sean. Um, I thought he did a good job. He's got his idol, which nobody knows about, which is important. Um, oh, before I keep going, I almost went Sam. And Sam was, he looked all right for the episode until the tribal council, which you discussed earlier in your little rant. Uh, went with Sean. He's got his secret idol. Um, he's in a really dominant position. He's got the power of the tribe. He deals with Haley, the Haley situation. They have a good chat, and he realizes that she can be a shield. Whether or not we agree, it's a bit different. But he seems to be in a good spot. And um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to Sean. And Beck, what's your buff for the episode? Can I can I add one to Sean? Can I double it? Is it allowed? It, it's gonna be allowed now. No, I just agree. I think Sean did such a good job. He's he's really taking control of the tribe, taking control of his alliance in a way that's not egotistical that we're aware of yet. He's really starting to come into his own and show he can be a physical player. He can be strategic. He can be social. So tick 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 there for Sean. Yeah, I agree. He is definitely coming to his own as a player. We've got uh, episode six. I actually wanted to give this to Liz. 
originally. I really think she did really well. She brought up, like, she was obviously in the conversation with George about flipping it onto Sarah. And, but we just didn't see enough of what she was saying for me to be able to give it to her. So I'm just going to have to give it to George, getting everyone to vote out Sarah. I don't think it was the greatest move for him, but I don't think it was a great move for anyone. So it sort of cancels that out for me. What are your thoughts, Mac? Yeah, it was a really tough one. Um, I know I can see what you're saying about George. He sort of got it together, but I'm giving it to someone else. I, the person he needed to swing, well, what we saw, was Stevie. Um, Stevie's a middleman. He's sort of at the bottom of side side, which is a good spot to be when you have two factions because the other faction will come to you. So he's found himself right in the middle. And now he's given Simon's side the majority. Um, he's put himself in a pretty good spot. So my buff went to Stevie. And Beck? Like- Damn it, Mark! No, I was going to say Steve as well, but I don't want to because then it looks like I'm copying. Oh, no, take yours. No, no, uh, no, give it to him. Give it to him. No! Oh, my give God. No, no, no. No. No, I love you, Stevie. You're, you've been, he has honestly been quite a good player. He's improved so much. He's not the sneaky Steve that we came to know and love before. He's coming into his own. But no, 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 no. I'm going to give it to, oh, God, I'm on the spot. Steve. Quick, come up with someone. I'm like, if, if Steve ah, no, fuck it. I'm leaving it to Steve. Yes. Steve can have it. Good on him. <laughs> the truth is, when both of you said Steve, there was such a big smile that came onto my face. Because <laughs> he's just, he really is an entertaining player. I'm loving, I'm loving seeing him. Meeting him last night was so bloody awesome. And um, buying the first ever Sneaky Steve shirt. The first one sold. I bought it. So, oh my god, is he selling them? That's incredible. Is he selling shirts with Sneaky Steve on them? Yep, and I... Oh my god. I gave him a 50 buck note for the first one, so... Oh, <laughs> bless. i owner of a Sneaky Steve shirt. Um, it's a little bit small for me, but it's all he has. <laughs> if you want loyalty, go get a dog. Such a moment. Oh, good on him. Look, I'm glad he got our buffs because, let's be honest... They're probably the only two buffs he's getting this season. Yeah, probably. <laughs> unfortunately, I, I hope that that's not, but unfortunately, I do see that being the case. Well, we might as well talk about where we are with the buffs. We've got Simon on two buffs. We've got Geordie on two buffs. Flick, Sean, and George, and Steve all move up to two buffs apiece. And we keep Shawnee and Haley with their one buff. And then we've also got Nina with a buff. So, very entertaining week. A bit slower than the first week, but still absolutely awesome. Very much enjoying this season. Can't get enough and can't wait for Sunday night. For this, the biggest tribal council we've ever seen. Uh, I think we should maybe think about wrapping this up. Hey, Beck, have you got anything that you want to plug? I just wanted to say thank you so much, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure to be bantering with the Buckles and Mac. I almost had an alliteration there, but it's gone. But it was a really, really great experience. Thank you so much. I mean, Beck, Buckles, banter. There it is. There it is. Maybe maybe that needs to be the new – Mac, maybe you're out. Maybe I need to be the new the new uh, B to that little – Bundle. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. I, w- I would never do that to you, boys. I just want to say thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure, such a great chat. It is quite late at night that we are actually doing this because of me. I had to go to the hairdresser, so I do really appreciate 
Um, you staying up late on a weeknight, particularly after being hungover, doing various alcoholic beverages at, at a Survivor event. Um, it's been a really, really great time. And I promise that I'll even listen to some other episodes of your podcast <laughs> after this. That, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Mac, did you have anything that you wanted to plug? Yeah, um, this podcast, find it on the Bus Blindside and Banter podcast feed. Um, yeah, at the moment, for next week, we haven't locked in a guest, but we've had plenty of offers. Uh, we just wanted to see how this one would go with a guest. I think it's gone pretty well. Um, so we'll, probably, yeah. we'll announce the guest um, sometime before the uh, episode's released. And, uh, yeah, look forward to, to next week's pod. Yeah, um, I just want to say I want to apologize to everyone and thank everyone for getting the whole way through this episode. This was my first time with a guest and having to actually direct my questions was a bit of an experience for me, but thank you for, thank you for being patient and flexible. Um, I just please head to our Facebook, head to our Instagram, head to our Twitter. We're Twitter at Survivor3BS. We're at Instagram Survivor underscore 3BS. And where it's on Facebook at Survivor <laughs> Buffs, ba- uh, Blindsides and Banter. Um, we had an awesome night at the viewing party. It was great meeting so many big names. And it was great meeting you, Mac, for the first time. <laughs> it was a great night. Um, we also came second in the trivia, uh, thanks to a man named Scott. He was some sort of uh, walking Survivor wiki. Um, so, yeah, you might have seen us there. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's all I've got. Thanks, Beck, for coming on. Good times. Yeah. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm sorry that I was the first guest. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> but I appreciate it. It was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. The banter was awesome. <laughs> all right. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Bye. See you next week. Is this Survivor? Are you listening to Survivor? Guys, I think this is Survivor. <laughs> Dude, you must really like Survivor.